For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Lakers are 11-3. and 11-3. You hear me? League best 11-3. and three. And we are here to celebrate it on the Hoopball Lakers podcast. I am Ethan Noroff, joined as usual, but for the first time in about a week or so, by my co-host, name man, JC. JC DeLeon1 on Twitter. JC DeLeon1 in your hearts. JC, how the hell are you? The Lakers are uh, giving us reason to smile right now, and uh, not a lot to complain about either. Yeah, man, I'm uh, enjoying everything I'm seeing from them. Uh, their defense is getting stronger and stronger, just like we hoped. Yeah, and I, I think, you know what, we were talking before the show a little bit, just before we got uh, taping for everybody to enjoy this podcast. And we said, you know, after Anthony Davis sort of ripped into the team after the two-point win against the Bulls, um, and, you know, you discussed it on the last podcast that you did as well a little bit, you know, for me, the Lakers have been – so much more committed on that side of the ball and that's a huge part of why their most recent uh, stretch here they've looked they've looked like a very dominant team and sort of resembling more of the one that i think a lot of people dreamt up in their head in the offseason winning by you know 15 to 20 points on any given night yeah for sure they the new orleans game they did kind of go back to that sleepwalking in the first half thing a little bit but to come back from 15 down is impressive no matter what the other circumstances are. So the fact that they were able to come back uh, from that big a deficit was still really good. Oh, no question. And I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to point that out as well. In fact, after that game concluded, you know, we tweeted from the Hoopball Lakers account and we said, look, you know, giving up, I think it was 57 or 58 in the first half. uh, It wasn't a good look, but then the Lakers limited the Pelicans to like 37 points. I think it was in the second half. Right. So, it was just an impressive sort of recommitment to defense, and that's what we had seen, you know, against the Thunder and the Rockets prior to that. So, to come out of that stretch eleven, I think you got to be thrilled if you're the Lakers. I think you got to be thrilled if you're Lakers fans. And you know, LeBron James continues to be just unbelievable. I mean, the guy is just a freaking cyborg. And you know, people want to sit here and say, "Oh, his numbers are, are slightly down." Some people, I've, I've actually heard this come out of people's mouths, JC. But you know, what I, my retort to that is: have, have you actually watched the games? Because he hasn't had to do as much, and that's very much by design, but he's still doing LeBron james S things out there. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans is a good example of it where he had a pretty dominating game from the middle of that second quarter on through the rest of the game through the end of the fourth quarter. Like he, He's definitely picking his spots more, and he's letting Schroeder run the offense more than we probably anticipated. But, I mean, that's good. He's not Every time he's questionable, he still ends up playing – He's, his minutes are down, which is a great thing for regular season LeBron uh, at this point in his career. It's, yeah, they're they're doing everything they kind of need to do. And he's still, at the end of the day, my God, he's still putting up 24, 8, and 7. Like, how are you not impressed by that? Exactly, JC, exactly. I mean, he played 30 and a half minutes in that game against the Pelicans. 30 and a half, put up 21, 8, and 11. 
And I got to say, all year long for him, by the way, only 11 shots for LeBron in that game. But all year long, that little fadeaway uh, 15-footer, dare I say that Kobe shot, has been just nothing but money for him. It, it's getting better and better. And, like, yeah, at this this point in his career, like, that's going to – like, that already was going to extend his career, you know, three, four years. If he's hitting it this efficiently now while he still has some athleticism left, like, there are times where he'll he'll hit two or three of those in a row and then he'll come back down. And it's there for him to do again, but he's just facilitating the rest of the offense. And I'm just like, what's to stop him from doing that 20, 30 times a game come playoff time? Nothing. I mean – I mean, it really is. It's just incredible, the the level of, of play with which he's operating. I mean, the guy is just – he's a machine. There's no other way to say it. Anthony Davis out here, he's averaging 22-8. and eight And, yeah, his, his rebounding is a little bit down. And, yeah, the, uh, the scoring is a little bit down. But, again, that's by design. And Anthony Davis only played 33 minutes in this game. And these guys are getting more rest than they might have been accustomed to earlier in their careers. And it's not like any one per, uh, player in particular – is sort of burning out on this Lakers team when it comes to minutes, right? You got KCP around, you know, anywhere between 23 to 29, 30 minutes a game. You got Montrez continuing to sit around 20 to 25 minutes. Gasol around 18 to 23 minutes. Kuzma around, you know, 20 to 25 minutes, maybe 28 minutes, depending upon the game, with Caruso and Markeith Morris, Wes Matthews, et cetera, and, and the rest of the way down. But really, this Lakers team just sort of, you know, they've had the benefit so far of, of good luck in the health department as well, and knock on wood, right? We've seen so many NBA teams decimated by COVID and, and games being postponed and teams being able to barely play. I mean, the way the Heat and the, and the Sixers earlier in the schedule have been forced to play is just sort of, it's, it's surreal, for lack of a better way to say it. And, you know, obviously that's where we're at. But the Lakers have been remarkably, you know, clean in the health department. And that's something that can only continue to benefit them as the team moves forward. But outside of that, I mean, I just think that everybody's individual play, everybody seems to have really embraced sort of a defined role on this team. And even those who don't have, or I should say, have some fluidity within their definition, right? Whether it's the Alex Caruso, Marquise Morris, Wes Matthews, even uh, Kyle Kuzma on some nights in terms of, it may not be set in stone, but it's pretty much we know what to expect here, whether it's 10 minutes or 12 minutes or 20 minutes. I think all of these guys, you know, are, are engaged, and that's what makes them so successful. And, you know, obviously, JC, it wouldn't be a Hoopball Lakers uh, episode here without a Kyle Kuzma name drop. So as we discuss sort of the depth on this Lakers team, I, I want to bring it back to Kuzma to start here because, you know, I've been openly very critical of him in the past. And, you know, we, we haven't been his best friend on the show, but one of the things that we did say – when the season got started was hopefully his contract extension allows him to clear the cobwebs and really get going in the last handful of games that the Lakers have recommitted to defense Kyle Kuzma is finally consistently doing the sorts of things that this Lakers team needs from him whether it's the open three but more importantly it's the rebounding it's the cutting and it's the facilitating and you love to see it JC yeah for sure he's his career, like to look at his stat line game to game, and even his his averages for the year, it's gonna look like he's not contributing much. But I mean, you know, in the same way that that Caruso doesn't do a lot on the stat sheet, um, his impact defensively has been, you know, really obvious. He's getting, you know, he gets chase down blocks, he gets those blocks from behind, he he gets blocks in help defense. He's he's getting a pretty good amount of blocks this season. He's getting a lot of rebounds. He's he's yeah he's doing the things he needs to do. And yeah, in general, this team is is a team that plays passing lanes and gets a lot of steals. 
And and that's one of the things that, you know, for, for Kuzma, if he really wants to have that consistent time on the court and embrace that consistent role off the bench as the quote-unquote sixth man, despite the fact that Trez obviously is still coming off the bench, then that's the kind of game he's going to have to continue to play for this Lakers group. And it's something that allows him to also spend more time on the floor with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, with a better complement of guys around him because if he shows capable of doing those things, then he can be trusted in those situations, whereas previously that may have limited his impact and his playing time on this team. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, those things have definitely improved, and he's he's in a much better spot now, it seems. I hope so. So hopefully that continues for the Lakers and for Kuzma. And look, credit credit is given where credit is due. Just like when people make mistakes, you call them out. Just like when you, they do something good, you know, you, you validate it, for lack of a better way to say it. So Kyle Kuzma, I know he's been super into the fine wines recently. So hopefully the vino continues to allow him to uh, age well, for lack of a better way to say it. And the Lakers keep rolling with this version of Kyle Kuzma going forward. And while we're on sort of the depth of, uh, in terms of the support players of the Lakers, JC, I feel like this is a good spot to at least just briefly mention Contavious Caldwell Pope because I really thought that when he was out of the lineup with that ankle injury, and you know, this is something we spoke about, the Lakers were missing something. They were missing an important part of their identity. And ever since his return, and in particular over the last handful of games, I just feel like KCP is everywhere, and every time he puts a three up from the corner, it's going in. Yeah, somebody had mentioned that on Twitter. I believe it was Forum Blue and Gold on Twitter where he's like, we're now at the point where when KCP shoots a shot, whether it's a three or whatever, you you expect it to go in. And he played that good against New Orleans. Uh, yeah, he's been he's been getting all the intangibles, lots of steals. Uh, he's not getting a lot of blocks, but, I mean, he's, he's getting, you know, deflections and he's playing really good wing defense. Uh, he you haven't seen it so much the last couple of games, but the first few games he just he distributed or just, he showed really great chemistry with Marcus Sol in those uh, those wraparound cuts, and so yeah, I think he's going to be a really important piece of this team, and yeah, his presence immediately boosts the defense overall. Oh, no question about it. I mean, it allows him to play differently because he can he can take on the challenge of guarding the opposition's best player, if that player is you know, a, a guard and of comparable size, obviously he's not going to guard a center. But you know what I mean with that. And, and I just think offensively he really helps to space out the first unit. And as much as you know, Wesley Matthews, in terms of a skill set, obviously has a comparable skill set, JC. He is not KCP. And you know, for a guy who has had, I just think, such a fascinating trajectory in terms of his Lakers career, right? Obviously starting with the pillow contract and sort of on a value deal, then on this, then on that. I think the KCP deal, you know, if you look at it from a long-term perspective, it really looks like it's working out for the Lakers. And I, and I think he's exactly the kind of player who really benefits from playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Who doesn't, I know, is the obvious response to that question, but it just allows KCP to really engage in what he needs to do. And when a guy like that can focus on his specific skill set and not worry about all of the other things, I feel like he could be that much more effective. And I feel like that's true of anyone in any role, right? Whether basketball player, teacher, or whatever you do for a living. So, you know, kudos to KCP for continuing. Schroeder has... Um, I think he's been fine. There have been games where he's been good, and there have been games where he has been not as good. But his hot shooting start certainly looks like a, a mirage right now. 
And, you know, his improved shooting was one of the main reasons why he was so successful with OKC last year, JC. At all, does that present some concern to you for the short term or the long term? I mean, it could be a little concerning only in the sense of I forgot where I saw this tweet and this article, but basically the Lakers offense this season is generating so many open looks for three. It's why Caruso shooting a much better per- percentage from three this season. It's why KCP and, and Kyle Kuzma are shooting much better percentages from three this season. Um, LeBron is making more threes than he ever has. AD is attempting more threes than he ever has. The only one that really can't take advantage of any of these new opportunities for threes is Schroeder because he's running the offense. And so it kind of makes sense why his percentage should, could be down a little bit, but and hopefully it does step back up. And I think, you know, there was a little bit of a honeymoon period in when they started because they're, you know, him and Trez were new to the team and they probably had more full reign than they do now. And so now it's it's about fine-tuning. And so some things are probably going to be scaled back while other things are going to be scaled up. Do you think, and then because you brought up Caruso is why I'm I'm asking, do you think that there will be a period of time for this Lakers team in which Caruso plays more minutes than Schroeder? Um, I think it varies from game to game. Maybe uh, Schroeder or uh, Caruso has run the offense a little bit some, and he's shown to, you know, with the three point shooting improved, he's definitely not as much of a liability offensively, and he runs a good pick and roll with LeBron and other players on the team, and so you could feasibly see it. Like if 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 Caruso is going to be making the shots. You definitely aren't in, you know, looking for, you know, like a George Hill type or whatever player to add to this roster later. If Caruso can do that, then you've already got it. Speaking of players to add to this roster later, just to go on this quick tangent, what do you think is going on with Al Horford in in Oklahoma City? Do you do you foresee a potential? I don't know if a buyout is possible given that contract, but do you see any sort of anything there where he becomes available to to the free market sooner rather than later? Uh, I mean, possibly, yeah. I think OKC is in the position to be the most active on, on the buyout market as far as them selling. Because, uh, yeah, they I believe Trevor Ariza is still technically uh, on the Thunder, even though he hasn't played, and so is Al Horford. Yeah, sort of the hologram of Trevor Reza. I mean, who knows if he'll be back. I mean, you're talking about having not played in basically a year at this point. So, you know, I know Lakers fans always like the idea of Trevor Reza, but it might just be an idea right now. Yeah, Is I like Al it Horford, less now than I did in the summer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, that's natural, right? And, and you know, if Al Horford were to become available, JC, in terms of a buyout, is that the type of player that do you do you think the Lakers would consider adding to that roster? Because here's the thing: obviously, as as a name, he's going to be immediately connected. I like Al Horford, the player. I'm really not sure that's what this team needs. No, and um, this kind of does cue me up for something you wanted to talk about on the show. Um, as part of the James Harden trade. Uh, Brooklyn sent oh. Jared Allen to Cleveland, and I was kind of, that immediately made made them have way too many roster spots, and I was kind of hoping that they would re- release Javale, and Javale could come back to the Lakers, but they released Thonmaker and uh, I believe Yogi Ferrell. Uh, so the Cle- Cleveland still has three centers on their team, and basketball in this day and age, you definitely don't need three 
of those type of centers. And so there's, there isn't room for all three of them on the roster. And so I still kind of foster that hope, but yeah. It's hard to be picky about a team that's 11 and three and obviously playing very well saying it needs anything. But I would think if, if the Lakers are going to add a big man in particular, you would think more of the traditional rim block, uh, rim protector, excuse me, than an Al Horford type. And yes, sir. Speaking of the James Harden trade, I, I would, I would very much like to deliver an opinion, which is, uh, I think, you know, just an emphasis of the things that I've been saying on Twitter for a period of time now. And I think that anyone who has compared the James Harden trade to the Anthony Davis trade is, is woefully mistaken because Anthony Davis had a year and a half on his contract and told the team, he said, look, I've given it all I can here. We have certain limitations as a franchise, as a market, whatever. I am not going to re-sign. Please get something for me. Here are the teams. And yes, I'm going to leak to the media that I'll only re-sign with the Lakers. So technically, I'll force my way there. But I would have been traded to these four teams. I think the Knicks were also on that list. And look, any team can trade for any player. That's how the NBA works, okay? But this is a guy who was in his prime and was still delivering. And yes, he had some injury concerns and questions. But he was, he was only restricted in his play by the amount of minutes that they were playing him toward the end of his tenure. James Harden literally got everything he ever wanted in Houston. They built the franchise around him. And then when Daryl Morey left and he said, I can't play with Russell Westbrook, they brought in John Wall and that wasn't good enough either. So I have no problem, James Harden, you realizing that Houston, you're a title pretender. I agree. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But I need you to own your piece of the puzzle in all of this. I need you to say, yes, I had input and it wasn't good enough and I bear some of the responsibility. It's always not his fault and that's the issue. And then for him to say that, you know, he, he showed up for those guys in Houston when he could barely, you know, get to the foul line and, and he drops a triple-double with 30-plus points in his first game with the Nets and looks 30 pounds lighter somehow, which <laughs> I don't understand, okay? But basically, the guy went on a strip club buffet tour in the middle of a pandemic instead of going to training camp, and he sits here and says, I, you know, he didn't quit on his team. It's bullshit. So just own it. That's all I have to say about that. And and I think, you know, the Rockets, obviously, that, that – uh, I don't even want to call it a press conference, right? That media availability after the game where he was like, well, we've done all we can. I'm out. That forced them to make a decision. I would be curious to know what Philadelphia's actual offer was because if it's led by Ben Simmons, I, I feel like maybe there was a should have been a greater consideration to go in that direction. And I'm surprised that they didn't want Karis LeVert. Yes, I know, three years, $53 million, And unfortunately, you know, he'll be out indefinitely. Best wishes to him and his recovery right now. But I'm surprised they didn't want him instead of an expiring contract in Oladipo. But maybe they just said, you know what, we need to, we need to just blow this whole thing out of the water now. 
and what a year in Houston to be a first-year GM, a first-year head coach. I mean, those guys are basically doing God's work at this point. So the Nets obviously have quite the team on paper. They should probably be considered an Eastern, the Eastern Conference favorite or an Eastern Conference favorite, with, assuming their trio clicks, right? I still like the full-strength Celtics or the idea of that team at full strength as, as a team in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, I just feel like James Harden got what he wanted by taking a very, very crappy approach to the whole thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I really like what, what Shaq said. Shaq said a lot of the things you did where it's like you wanted Dwight Howard. Howard, we gave you Dwight Howard. That wasn't good enough. You wanted Russell Westbrook. They gave you that. That wasn't good enough. Chris Paul wasn't good enough. Um didn't even give John Wall a chance, even though John Wall looks fantastic this season coming off of that Achilles, and so does DeMarcus. He looks pretty good, too. Just not even giving it a chance. And on the court, just, like, farting out passes to, to John Wall that almost go out of bounds, making him chase him. Like, when I, when I saw that, I was just like, man, oh, that's, that's one of the most man. disrespectful things I've ever seen. I think, I think I tweeted at the time, I was like, man, James Harden's basketball energy can be best described as, you know, Sunday YMCA run. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, for him to do the – I always joke that James Harden is the best at January basketball because that's kind of sort of inconsequential. And, yeah, his first game in January as a net drops a triple-double on, you know, for them. I could have predicted that coming. Um, yeah, I thought the way he handled it was really unprofessional because, yeah, at least Anthony Davis gave his team time to find it out. And, yeah, I think it's a completely different situation. I just think the whole thing, man, it just it, it smells to me, I feel like. I, and I just I know that James Harden isn't the first and he certainly won't be the last superstar, star, player, whoever to request a trade but not officially request a trade. But you know, for me it's just it's it's just he failed to own his part in the puzzle. That's the really that's the sticking part for me. So it's not comparable to the Anthony Davis trade. Of course it's you know Look, Sean Marks has done remarkable work. I mean, remarkable work. We're talking about him going from poison pill Tyler Johnson contracts, okay, to to moving forward into KD, Kyrie, and, and Harden. So, you know, the Nets have obviously achieved what they've set out to do, and I and I have to think that uh, Prokhorov somewhere in a, in a Russian bunker or wherever he might be these days is looking at the team going, well, that's the team I should have had, but... Be that as it may, Steve Nash has certainly uh, certainly can't say that his first year with the Nets won't be interesting, and, <laughs> and we shall see what comes of them. But as far as the Lakers go, and I appreciate you giving me that opportunity to grandstand on Harden a little bit. As far as the Lakers go, you know, I, I think this team, look, they want to continue doing exactly what they have been doing, right? I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I want to discuss THT a little bit. Because that's a player who, you know, everybody, you know, me included, obviously, was high on in the preseason. And not that I don't think he is without skill or, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't be playing like we saw the other night. But right now when he plays JC, I just see a lot of D'Angelo Russell in his game. I see a lot of I'm going to score no matter what. He's not playing within the flow and within the context. And I think that he's, he's limiting himself because – he can do so many things without feeling like he needs to do anything just because of his his ability, his athleticism. 
So if he wants to have a, a consistent role on the court or if he wants to think about playing it even 10, 15 minutes a night, he's going to have to just let it come to him a little bit more. Yeah, I think with him, uh, it's going to be it's, it's similar to Cal Kuzma. You're basically going to have to fine tune uh, and more define his role than it has been. I think they gave him a lot of free reign in the first few games of the season because of the great preseason he showed in running the offense. And so he was running the offense a lot, and I think he was making some pretty good decisions at the beginning. But as the season progressed, and probably teams had more time to scout him. Uh, mistakes were coming a little bit, a little bit faster, a little bit more furiouser, and uh, and so yeah, I think now you got to scale scale back what you expect out of him offensively. Defensively, I think he's still been really impactful, just because I think it everyone on this team is playing a great defense because of the scheme that Frank Vogel has laid out. Uh, THC's got really long arms, gets a lot of deflections. I think he's basically doing a lot of the things that this team is doing to create offense out of their defense, and so in that role, I think he's been excelling. Uh, but yeah, I think he's uh, needs to be needs a little more refined refinement in in his definition of his role offensively. Yeah, I think so as well. Especially if he wants to see those consistent minutes, because Kyle Kuzma, as we mentioned, is obviously playing well, and the Lakers are, of course, very deep. It's been nice to see Montrez Harrell sort of bounce back from that mini slide he showed against the Spurs earlier in the season. He's been much more uh, consistent of late and uh, really bringing the energy. Been impressed with his shooting from the free throw line and his ability. I mean, I think his hands around the basket are severely underrated. And, and I'm, I'm a little curious, JC, to see more of that Trez AD front court. Do you, do you have any intrigue in that? I do, just because, uh, you know, we talked a little bit. About, people were concerned about how those two were going to play in the lane together, but in part of you know part of why AD scoring is probably down a little bit is because he's playing a little bit more away from from the paint and so yeah when when him and Trez are in there together you're probably going to see Trez be a small ball 5 and um you know AD kind of be a little bit more of a power forward that plays you know a point forward type role and so yeah you'll see a lot more spacing when AD and Trez are, are on the floor more spacing than people probably thought they would see yeah, and I'm excited to see more of that sort of as we progress into the season. And, you know, I think at this point it's about looking ahead for this Lakers team and sort of seeing what's on the upcoming docket and, you know, making sure that they can continue to play at this level of basketball. You know, obviously on Monday, uh, by the time people are listening to this podcast, more likely than not, it's going to be the Warriors at home uh, at, home at the Staples Center. And then the Lakers don't play again until Thursday and Saturday. So only three games in this upcoming week, JC, which, you know, people might say, wow, really only three games. But remember, Lakers have already had a series of back-to-backs and, you know, they've been playing a lot of games. So it's nice to see that they'll be able to space it out a little bit. But then Thursday is at Milwaukee and, and Saturday is at Chicago before following up with the following Monday at Cleveland. And, you know, for me, this is a, this is a uh, an upcoming road trip. You got to beat the Warriors at home. Obviously, Steph Curry can be Steph Curry, but too much talent. You got to nip that in the bud. You got to beat the Warriors at home. The Bucks are going to be a big game. You know they're going to be amped up for it. But if the Lakers and Bucks have a close game in any capacity, in terms of you know the final score and all of that, then I look at that Saturday game at Chicago and say that could be a game the Lakers might not overlook, but overlook for lack of a better word. And I could see a Bulls team coming in hungry and maybe uh, maybe stealing a win there. 
Yeah, the Bulls played him pretty tough when they had a lot of players out with, uh, you know, COVID health protocols, and I think most of their team is back now. And so, yeah, you could see um, the Lakers have had a little bit, despite how good they've been defensively as far as getting steals and generating turnovers, they do have a tendency to let really good opposing shooting guards and opposing backcourts uh, kind of have their way with, with the game. And Zach Levine and Kobe White had really good games. Uh, and it's, it's part of why I'm not so worried about the bu- the Bucks, The Bulls and Cavaliers could be a troublesome uh, set of games just because of those are two really talented backcourts. Uh, and then Philly I don't think is as much of an issue. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of what you could expect to see out of, out of the Bulls, a tough game because of their backcourt. When you when you play those young teams that don't really have anything to lose, it's another level of intensity for them as well as they get prepared to take on the best that the NBA has to offer. But JC, I mean, I'm just absolutely thrilled with the way the Lakers are playing. I just feel like every time I put on a Lakers game right now, even though the Lakers might get down, you know, 7, 8, 10, 12 points, it gets frustrating at times. But then you know this team is going to come back because you know that they can turn on the switch and just flip it. And unlike a little bit earlier in the season where we were just seeing them, okay, now we're going to play later in the game, they're still doing that a little bit, but the effort, I think, has been much more consistent from, from the jump. And I think that's a huge part of why they've been able to sort of you know, recommit to defense and, and redefine their team identity. I mean, top five in the league, offense and defense, that's, that's the stuff of champions, man. Yeah, and, and you're seeing something really interesting out of LeBron, uh, a tweet that caught my eye the other day. Uh, I mean, this is as of January 14th, so it was a couple of days ago. But, I mean, that New Orleans game was such a defensive clinic in the second half. This probably still holds true. Um, but ESPN Stats and Info uh, talked about how LeBron James has only allowed opponents to shoot 30% when he's the contesting defender far and away the best in the league. Uh, if you increase it to the minimum 100 field goal attempts, he also ranks first in field goal percentage as the closest defender on contested or uncontested shots. Uh, there was an article a few years ago uh, on Deadspin that talked about LeBron's capability of defense when he's like really locked in because of his athleticism and the length of his arms and, and how high he can jump. When he's locked in defensively, he can cover almost a third of the court at all times. And so I think back to that year that he you know, got second place in defensive player of the year. The trophy, seeing, you, the trophy that Mark has that should be LeBron's. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing some of that defensive effort, and you're seeing it early in the season. And so, yeah, it's one of those things. And Marcus Gasol probably had a positive inf- in, impact on LeBron's you know defensive uh, intensity this season. And so that's really great to see that he's c- sort of resting on offense and he's exerting so much energy on defense to be a great defensive player. Like, he might... I mean, I don't know how much the writers listen to pay attention to defensive stats like this. Like, I know for a long time, defensive player kind of would go to the center with the most blocks and rebounds. And I think as, you know, analytics become more and more proficient, people should look at stats like this and be like, this is defensive player of the year material right here. Um, and so, yeah, I think you could you could see a really interesting competition come award season between LeBron and AD for either MVP or defensive player of the year. I even tweeted out the other day, Lakers are the first team to 10 wins. They have the best record in the league. I wonder how the goalpost is going to move this year for LeBron not getting the league because it's not going to go to James Harden. <laughs> not this year. Yeah. And, uh, nah. yeah. And, uh, and you know, Milwaukee's got a number two record in the East. Lakers are the number one in the league. Like how do they move the goalpost? 
I think that the uh, the utter appreciation for LeBron, the utter recognition. You know, I heard a clip. I think it was from the uh, Dan Patrick radio show, and he said, "I think that when LeBron is all said and done, we are going to be looking at the greatest basketball career of all time." And there are a lot of ways that you can interpret that, JC. But I've really been thinking about that, and it is really, really, really difficult to argue against that right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, for for me personally, he became my favorite player of all time. I can pinpoint the moment is the block against Golden State like that. I knew that there was still time left in that game, but when that happened, I was like, "There's no way they lose this game. There's no way he loses this championship." And I knew that he was going to solidify. I knew that that meant the game, even though there's still time. And after the game, I was like, "Yep, yeah, this solidifies it. He's my favorite player of all time, and I have so much extra time to watch him and appreciate him." As you know, we get prepared to soon observe the one-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant and so many others' tragic passing. One of the things for me, JC, is somebody who really grew up on Kobe, really that he was the, the the guy for me who was my Lakers icon because of the timeline and trajectory that I follow. I'll be 32 in a couple of weeks. And in terms of Kobe, the way that LeBron has not only, you know, always embraced Kobe, but ever since he put on the purple and gold, even before Kobe's passing, he felt like there was a responsibility to deliver excellence. And, you know, Kobe was often the guy that he pointed to because, again, the most recent example, but there's a long lineage there. And since his passing, JC, I just feel like the way that LeBron has really embraced this sort of, I have a personal responsibility to fulfill a legacy that goes beyond myself. And, and I know that that has manifested in his openings a school and so much of his philanthropy and you know he's a role model on and off the court but i just feel like the way he has really become a laker for lack of a better way to say it or, or for an emphatic way to say it has been a beautiful thing to watch yeah no doubt i mean yeah this his kind of return to you know defensive mvp form has been Great to see, and yeah, that kind of effort and him, you know, not taking games off like that. He seems to be embracing the Mamba mentality, and and yeah, taking that that mantle really seriously. And he, you know, he 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 brought he that promise he he made to bring it back to Los Angeles, even after Kobe died. He he delivered on that, and so yeah, I think he's he's got that focus and he's maintained it. Well, I think it'll certainly continue to be an interesting week in Lakerland as it has been for the last couple of years for all sorts of various reasons. But right now, in terms of on-the-court basketball, JC, we like what we're seeing. If you are listening to our show, thank you very much. And if you are not following us on Twitter, what the heck are you doing? you got to make sure you never miss a show, so follow us at HoopBallLakers. And follow the HoopBall family at HoopBallTweets, at HoopBallFantasy. This would not be possible without them. And it would also not be possible without my righteous co-host, JC, JC DeLeon1 on Twitter. And I'm at Ethan underscore Noroff on Twitter. Only one F. Until next time, JC, I think we've given the people everything that they can listen to. So we out. 
Later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.